0: We are moving right along we still have a long way to go in this world cup it doesn't wrap up until december the 18th so what is it now it is november the 28th it's a long way to go but beginning on tuesday we start the final match days in the groups which means both games played of the four teams at the same time no more 2 a.m pacific time games it's gonna be 7 a.m for group a and 11 a.m for group b and then we'll move on so We won't get those four uh, games in a day, which we will miss, but we can't keep living like that. So uh, I hope you've been uh, watching the games, been able to watch as much as you can, getting your rest and getting ready for the biggest game of the tournament for us here in the United States. Yeah, it wasn't USA England. It is USA Iran. This will determine if the United States will make it into the round of 16. And look, what we have seen in this tournament the U.S. can run with England, which means they can run with just about anyone here. But then they can sink against Wales, which means they can sink against just about anyone here. It is a very fine margin in this World Cup. I mean, if the U.S., if they win this game, there's, I, I, I kid you not, there's no reason to think they can't win a couple games in the knockouts. Especially when you think that uh, teams that were supposed to win their group may not ahead. May get good matchups. We've seen the weirdness, the chaos in this World Cup, and the US wanna be right in the middle of that. We will have, uh, we will get you ready for USA, Iran. We will also look back at the games from uh, Monday. I will say the four games we had Monday collectively, the best day of this World Cup, and you could certainly say one of the best World Cup viewing days ever, when you see the action, the goals, the personalities, the storylines, everything, uh, and the high profile names, obviously, that were involved in uh, on this day. So we'll get to all of that here on the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. Check it out in audio format on uh, where all podcasts are available and right here on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. There are my social media handles on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter making new ground on Twitter. Holy moly, six million impressions. I don't know how, it's been fun. Check out on TikTok, pretty sure confirming we will have, I'm I'm new on TikTok, we'll have a live uh, show an hour before the kickoff and uh, we'll get you ready. We'll have some points. We are sponsored by the great folks at Farmer John. Look at that. I mean, is that a good looking hat? Goes well with my shirt might give that away later I don't know I like it is my hair all right yeah the great folks at farmer John on uh, Tuesday before the USA game you're gonna have to start it off the right way and the best way to start it off with is some farmer John a smokehouse bacon or classic bacon some uh, eggs however you like them, maybe poached maybe over medium maybe scrambled, like maybe over medium. And I like to put a few little jalapenos, thinly sliced in there, give it a little bang, the jalapenos wake you up. And if that doesn't do the job, a nice hot cup of coffee. But Farmer John brings it all together, maybe get some hash browns in there too. Thank you Farmer John for being part of all of this. Uh, me and the farmer, we, uh, we get along well. And we are now into the USA preview. USA Iran. USA needs to win. A win will get them through. A win and maybe some help elsewhere. They could win the group. It's not far-fetched. Well, you need Wales to beat the English, but I think that's possible, but one step at a time. Before we even get to the idea of lineups and uh, how this game is going to be played, formations, etc., we have to deal with the uh, the baggage, for lack of a better word, that this game is coming with. Yesterday, we talked about the social media post that uh, was eventually taken down by USMNT Twitter. Uh, and I, I don't know if it was on Instagram, but I'm sure it wasn't all social media handles where the Islamic uh, symbol was taken off the Iranian flag in protest and solidarity for the Iranian people. It was well received by the Iranian people, uh, I didn't see much from Iran. I, not that it, that didn't happen. I'm sure it was well-received there, but from Iranians in the United States, it was well-received. Uh, I, I wondered if it was such the the best idea with so much at stake, and then uh, it was the stimulus to things all coming off the rails at the U.S. men's national team presser. First things first, uh, Greg Berhalter and the players coming out, Berhalter said that they were completely unaware of the decision to post that, uh, that they were uh, surprised by it. And obviously as a coach, this is uh, something, a distraction that you don't wanna have to deal with. And boy, did he have to deal with it because in this press gathering, it opened up a can of worms. And we saw some, what I would like to say, some, some really poor journalism by some of the gathered, I imagine they were Iranian. I don't know if they were Iranian. Iranian media that was there who went at Burhalter and in specifically Tyler Adams, who was the player up on there. First of all, we went through the post, and that was that was one thing that uh, they had to talk about. They probably weren't thrilled about talking about. In no particular order, questions were asked whether Jurgen Klinsmann is doing psychological warfare for what he said about the Iranian culture, which was misrepresented. Uh, people made it sound like it was about Iranian culture. It was more about Iranian football culture. Every national team has a culture. The Jogo Benito is a football culture. Die Mannschaft is a football culture. Uh, every team, you know, Iran does have a football culture in how they play. You can identify it. So it's not offensive in football terms. Someone asked, what percentage of the world would be happy if Iran wins? <laughs> By the way, uh, Berhalter answered Jürgen Klinsmann. He said, why don't you ask him? There was a question. Um, this, there was a question about, to, <laughs> to Greg Berhalter, do, uh, do you have any concerns about the naval ship? Have you spoken to the U.S. government about removing the naval ship that is just outside of Iran? So we're talking about uh, you know battleships here, and really not a question to ask the head coach of the U.S. men's national team. His jaw had to have dropped at this point. And then the worst one: a uh, an Iranian media member asked Tyler Adams, and he said Iran, and the Iranian reporter criticized him for mispronouncing it and lectured him, saying it's Iran and it's not Iran. Let us. Fix that for all days moving forward. So he he gave him a shot at that, and then followed it up with a question. Says, "Iran represents. Do you have any problem representing a country that has a history of racism against black people, referencing the Black Lives Matter movement?" So I want to start with the questions. It's it's we should get the pronunciations right. We should get the pronunciations right. I'm a big advocate of that, but. You don't lecture people about it. You don't tell them this is the way we do it because no one's pronouncing anything right. And he should pronounce it right, but he doesn't need you to tell him that. And I would love to get in the face of this reporter. I would love to pull his badge because that was Bush League. You don't ask, you don't sell people like that. If anyone came out to me or you, if anyone came up to you and said it like that, uh, we would have a grown up conversation. I go, Excuse me? Now as to the second question, it's a fair question, but this is before the World Cup. This is a question with an agenda. Ask about the games or ask about the post or something, but that, yeah, is, is are, are there racial issues in this country? Absolutely. Uh, we're trying to get better, which is what, how Tyler Adams answered it. Tyler Adams is an absolute champion. He apologized for the pronunciation, which he didn't have to do, and then he proceeded in saying, look, I've lived in a white household, I've seen this. Uh, we, we pride ourselves in trying to improve on this. We know we are flawed in race relations in this country, but man, nothing compared to some other countries with what's happening. Uh, and at least, we, at least there's a situation here where we have a, a black population, a white population, and we know we're trying to work it out. And Tyler Adams is the kind of guy that can do it. But that was an outrageous claim and really disappointing to see that Burhalter and these players have to go through it. Additionally, someone, which was a more footballing question, we talked about Eric Winalda saying that he had a conversation with Claudio Reyna saying that Gio Reyna was healthy and that uh, Greg Berhalter asked Gio to lie about the condition of why he's not playing. Which is, uh, it's a fair question. But man, I mean, this is just, it's just piles on top of everything that was hurt, so i guess you have to be ready for the situations does it motivate this u.s team i mean does it motivate the iranian team the iranian team is on board by and large with the, what the u.s did with all of that so it's not motivating them it's it's it, the question is how the u.s deal with it but i'm sure that they will muscle through based on what we saw with tyler adams he was the right guy to have out there you always have to have one player with you address the media. So all of that is rubbed on the shoulders from the, and it, it really did start from that social media post. So the lesson here, don't post stuff like that. We can make a difference. We can, we can go out there. You can show a sign of solidarity. You can take a photo with the Iranian players. You can do something. You can speak on the microphone somewhere, uh, but that wasn't the way to do it right before this game. But it's, it's so heavy going into a game we, we really should be enjoying. But, but we knew it was going to possibly be this way. So there we have it. Let's talk about the game itself. The uh, This is a rematch of the 1998, very politically charged game that Iran won. So certainly the U.S. want to get one over on this team that has looked pretty good. Even though they got blasted by England, they... Uh, They did come back and get that impressive win over Wales. Two different lineups for Iran. They were 5-4-1 against England. 21% possession. Even then, they still got a couple goals. 4-3-3 against Wales. They had to go for it, and they got the goals in stoppage time, both of them. They had 38% possession. They got 21 shots. So the U.S. would love to have four goals in this tournament. They have one. So Iran good in front of goal. I believe they will go back to the 5-4-1 because a point does the job for them here. It, it doesn't do a job for them, actually. Uh, par- pardon me, let me withdraw that. A win they need, a draw probably does it. They, if Wales beats England, then they could be in a little bit of a problem. And they're gonna be in a problem because of the goal differential of the England games. So that's a very big positive here that it, you know, I do have to get a little aggressive Especially if you they, the game is happening at the same time with Wales and uh, England, that if they scoreboard watching, Wales is up. Then th- there'll be a little bit of a panic. So I think it's going to be five four one. 4 one Mehdi up at the top. They, he did play with Ar- Moon and uh, Gol- Goliza- Golizade, who I thought has been very good for this team. But it... it In the meantime they'll be going for that tie they're going to make it very hard which was going to be the plan regardless of where these teams lied it's how iran's soccer culture plays so they're going to have to break them down and the united states has improved from each game good against the welsh one really good half one not so great half excellent against england the big problem you know it you've seen it can't score goals can't score goals, and to be honest, haven't really created that many great chances, which is a bigger problem, because you need more good chances. You can't live on two here or two there, which will uh, make this job all the more difficult. That said, I don't think there's going to be much in the change for the United States. I have one change. It's going to be Matt Turner in goal, Anthony Robinson, Tim Ream, Walker Zimmerman, Sergino Dest in the back. That's from left to right. Uh, Weston McKennie, Tyler Adams, Yunus Musa in the midfield. They were so good against England. You've got to run with them. And this could be a game where you want that physical push uh, from the, that trio. Christian Pulisic up at the top, Tim Way on the right, and Jesus Ferreira comes in. And I say that because I've been hearing some rumblings that it could be possible. And it makes sense that he would play here. We uh, haven't created chances. Um, Josh Sargent had one good chance, uh, he missed it. Haji Wright had a chance, uh, a couple sm- smaller chances, did not convert, it didn't really play a big role. People don't like Jesus Ferreira because he doesn't score. But what he does do is help create chances with his teammates or on his own. He can He can drag defenders out because he's very mobile, because he's more like a number 10. This could be the guy, and I know what you're going to say, why don't you play Gio Reyna there? Well, Gio Reyna doesn't have an experience playing in that middle slot. That is an important little detail here. So I think it's going to be Jesus Ferreira, at least from the beginning, because it's about creating chances. So if Jesus Ferreira gets there and he hits the post or hits it wide and you get frustrated, just keep in mind that that's more chances than we had with the other two strikers. I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, a couple of things within the game, you've got to find space. As I said yesterday, those two fullbacks should be running nonstop. If Iran gets very narrow and packs the middle of the box, you get those fullbacks. They don't cross the ball very well, but you, you, you take the space that's given. And Iran's gonna do that. The law of averages say that eventually a cross is gonna get through, a shot's gonna be taken, and a goal is gonna be scored. The US are due. There's a real opportunity the US get multiple goals and I do believe they're gonna need to score more than one to win this game. So they've been peppering it and now they do it. But you let it come from the wide areas, Christian Pulisic uh, in particular, later Gio Reyna, Brendan Aronson, you need to have these guys that take on defenders. Because if you can beat that defender one-on-one, then you're in business inside the area. Ferreira to a lesser degree. Tim Way is just going to get moving forward, and uh, I, I would consider Gio Reyna where Tim Way plays because I think it's going to be a very compacted game. But I don't think anything's going to change minus the forward. You you take what you get, and you get multiple chances, and you do it from the jump, and hopefully you're able to score early on. The uh, the subs. You use them liberally. You tell these guys to run themselves in the ground. Brendan Aronson, Gio Reyna, Josh Sargent should all come in. I think DeAndre Yedlin at some point comes in. You want the right back. It can't be Shaq Moore. I don't think you bring Joe Scally in now. And Kellen Acosta in there to possibly help with some set pieces. Those are your five subs. It's all laid out there for the U.S. I, I, I want to give a prediction, but I'm just so worried. I, you know what I'm giving a prediction? USA 3, Iran 1. Okay, we're good. Now, I do want to talk about the Wales-England game a little bit, too. Gareth Bale coming out. It's going to be played at the exact same time. He says, we will have, we will be, have a team ready for the English. No reason we can't do the same to them as has happened uh, in other big games in this World Cup. Uh, look at the standings here in Group B. England with four points, plus four goal differential. Iran, three. USA, two. Wales, one. Uh, The U.S. have the second-best goal differential. That is a positive in there, although it's unlikely they'll finish on the same amount of points as anybody because it's all staggered, 4-3-2-1. Gareth Bale says, the dragon's on my shirt. That's all I need. And Gareth Bale is a game winner. And There's a lot on that Welsh team. You have to figure they're going to play better than Iran. England's got to be very cautious here, and I think they make some changes. There have been some flat performances. There's already been talk that Jordan Henderson comes in for Jude Bellingham. Harry Kane is fine, but maybe you save him and bring in Callum Williams. Mason Mount has not been good. I don't know who the direct replacement is for him. If Bellingham's coming out, I don't know if you could pull Mount out as well. Phil Foden, does he? I think there's changes here for England. We already know there's going to be that one based on the reports. It's, it's important to see what happens because we want to see if the United States can finish first in that group. Why not? I love a matchup with the Netherlands in the round of 16. I think it's really good for the U.S. I think the Netherlands, because they're playing Qatar, will win the group. So finishing second makes sense. In all likelihood, if they win, England wins. That's what the sports books are saying. And who knows? Just make the round of 16. We will have uh, all the recap after the game right here on the soccer og world cup daily we'll take a quick pause here we'll be back looking back at the four big matchups that we saw on monday from groups g and h welcome back before we recap the games from monday a quick look at what lies ahead in group a we touched on netherlands and qatar i think netherlands put on a big number of news now that cody Gakpo who scored a couple goals for the dutch headed to manchester united so that's exciting for him ecuador senegal i love what ecuador has been doing in this competition the sports book says this is really close plus one four one four five ecuador plus two one five senegal the winner here is going. That is a really compelling game. So 7 a.m. Pacific time, 10 a.m. Eastern. This is the one you want to see. I hope Ecuador can do it. I want to say how, uh, how great it's been. The five youngest teams at this World Cup, the youngest team is Ghana. We'll talk about in a second. The second youngest team, I believe, is Ecuador. Then the United States. Then Spain. Then Morocco. All five of them are playing very well. All five <laughs> could see themselves into the round of 16. So youth is being served in this World Cup, and that benefits the United States. little bonus part of our preview. Big question here is how well is Ener Valencia? Remember, he was uh, stretchered off the game against the Netherlands, which Ecuador should have won. The reports are he should be good, uh, has a recurring right knee injury. He is really key for them. Uh, as much as I love the midfield with uh, Caicedo, Seba Mendes, I believe, is suspended He won't be able to play. Um, The wide guys, Angelo Preciado, Pervis Estupiñan, fantastic. Hincapié, the defender, excellent, excellent player. Senegal got that first win for the African Confederation, and now the wins are piling up. Morocco, uh, Cameroon got a nice tie. Ghana beat Korea. Some African teams are going to make the round of 16. I hope at least one. I think one makes it. You could probably get three here. Senegal can take care of business if they beat Ecuador. Uh, I like Ecuador, but I wouldn't be surprised if Senegal were able to get it. And they have those great defensive players, uh, both Chelsea players, Kalidou Koulibaly and Eduard Mendy. Boulaye Diaz scored a goal, so did Famara Jeju, and they do have some good options. And with, they have Idrissa in the back of that midfield, so this is a good Senegal team. Let's get you through the games from uh, Monday maybe the best viewing day we have had in uh, the World Cup. No, it was the best viewing day. started early, Cameroon, Serbia. Serbia actually ended 335 minutes between scoring. Cameroon scored first and then Serbia scored three goals. They were up 3-1, they were cruising right along. Uh, The third goal was up at the 53rd minute. And then they couldn't play an offside trap. Vincent Abubakar got in behind the trap. It was a goal. Uh, Eric-Maxime Shoupo, Shoupo-Moting also scored. Cameroon get a nice point. That complicates things for Serbia in a big way. Uh, three points would have been huge. This, of course, being in groups, Group G. This is the standings in Group G. We'll talk about Brazil here in a moment. They have six points, they've already qualified. Switzerland three, Cameroon, Serbia one. The final match day, we'll see Brazil versus Cameroon, Switzerland, Serbia. A winner take all thing there for either the Swiss or the Serbs. But Cameroon can get in there too. The best goal differential is the Swiss. They're at zero. Uh, Cameroon minus one, Serbia minus two. You'd have to think Brazil wins all three they uh serbia's been a disappointment but they had that game they looked really good mitrovic scored a goal still vlahovic is not ready to go i still think that they're capable of beating switzerland that final game that should get them through the brazil and swiss game it was just one goal was absolutely fascinating the counter press for brazil to me is one of the big stories the fact that brazil loses the ball and gets it right back they look good even though they haven't scored a ton of goals Clearly, they hang their hat on the defensive side of things. Vinicius scored a goal. It was ruled off because of offside of Hichalison. By the way, Derek Ray does a great job pronouncing the games, but he's not pronouncing the Brazilian names right. I just want to say that. He's not pronouncing them correctly uh, as much as he prides himself in that. For some reason, the Brazilian names slip under the rug every time. So that happened, and then Casemiro scores in the 83rd minute to win the game. His goal, one of the best of the tournament. He just he hit it dead. It would, poof, the sound of the ball and this great replay is Jan Sommer, the Swiss goalie, just saw it go by and he like looks at it like this. One of the best replays of the game. There was no Neymar. We thought it'd be Rodrigo who'd start. Rodrigo who'd come in. Instead, Lucas Paqueta was moved up there. It was a front. It was the front three of Vinicius, Ichioli, and Rafinha. They didn't play with the one forward at the top, and then three in the midfield with. Uh, Lucas Paqueta, Casemiro, and Fregi. And then uh, Alexander Sandro, Thiago Silva, Marquinhos, and Eder Militao. There's a s- s- little spottiness in the back, which I think some teams can take advantage of. But Brazil's been really good. And they are through to the next stage. Braille Ambolo of the Swiss. Again, very impressed with uh, the striker there. The Switzerland have a really good young player in him. I look forward to seeing you. Uh, him in that game against Serbia. That is going to be a real roll-up-your-socks game. Group H, South Korea and Ghana. Ghana wins this 3-2. Mother-in-law didn't wake up in time, I had to give her the bad news. Uh, Korea was dominating and then they weren't. Ghana uh, seized control for a stretch and that's when they scored both goals early on that, had them in very good shape. Halftime, that was the score. Then Korea, from all their effort, all their probing, were able to get two goals from Cho Sung, who was the top goal scorer in the K-League. He was off the bench in the first game. He started here. This is a big name to remember. He is really good. European teams should be uh, starting to uh, put in requests if they haven't already. Uh, A center forward who really sees the opportunity. There uh, were some problems. South Korea should have won this game. Uh, I want to say Mohamed Kudus, fantastic. He scored two goals, plays at Ajax. He's another one we're going to see in one of the big leagues, all due respect to the Eredivisie, very soon. But uh, South Korea lost this game. They had 22 shots to seven. Ghana had three shots on target. They scored three goals. This was the problem. Portugal were... uh, Korea were a little desperate here. And obviously... Son Heung-min is not healthy. He just hasn't had it here. Uh, he's had to play with the face mask. He's just not been explosive. You could see uh, the layoff has taken a toll. They're going to need him. He needs to have a moment here, but he hasn't had it yet. The other one is Kim Min-jai, the defender who has been uh, playing at Napoli. He has been spectacular. He got injured in the first game against Uruguay. He's clearly kept dealing with it. He was brave, he was valiant, running around, buzzing around, trying to keep pace with attackers, which he did for the most part. However, when Korea tied it 2-2, he was kind of in, he was in two different places. He fell so far down of the byline, didn't mark his guy. That led to the Kudus game winner. Um, Kim Min-jai, I love him. He is one of my favorite center backs playing right now. Top five, top six. He's playing hurt. He left very late in the game. I don't know if they can rely on him. It's it's just too erratic because he's not well. And that's a problem for Korea. Their two best players are not well. Paulo Bento got a a red card. I believe he was arguing about the stoppage time. We've got to fix this. Uh, Anthony Taylor, the ref, I think there was 10 minutes stoppage time. Clearly, there was some stoppages, which meant it should go to 11 or 12. We don't know how much. He whistled it at 1045. Usually they go, and there was a corner kick for Korea, usually they go to the next minute. 99 out of 100 times, they'll give you an extra minute, which is not an exact science. My point is, we've got, to, we've got to fix this. We've got to stop the clock. When the clock stops the game, it stops everywhere. Don't keep it on a clock and leave us in mystery, players, coaches, fans. It's so annoying. We're moving forward with this uh, techno- technological age, yet we're still keeping time on a wristwatch. Stop it. Stop! 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 It's this keeping everyone in the dark. I, I'm sure they have their reasons. It can't keep going on like this. So Korea's not out of it, uh, as you said. Portugal six points, Ghana three, Korea one, Uruguay one. Korea, if they can beat Portugal, probably make it through. Uh, yeah, I mean, if they score enough goals and beat Portugal, they'll definitely go through. But a one zip victory probably will do enough for it. I mean. Uruguay would have to win by two goals against Ghana. So Korea, I mean, just beat Portugal, but it's a, it's a big ask. Portugal are through to the round of 16, which should help the Korean efforts. Um, Uruguay, I want to talk about it. They lost 2-0. They play this style. I just think they've got to get away from that. It's so defensive, and the problem is they have so many game winners. They have these beautiful midfielders in Pajarito Valverde and Rodrigo Betancourt and Matias Fecino. They brought in, it was five midfielders as they try to clog things up for the Portuguese. Very negative. They're playing with Darwin Núñez and Edison Cavani. They're not getting him any ball because they're not getting any possession. When they needed to press and they were down the Portuguese, then they look great. I understand you can't be an attacking team but there's got to be a happy median. You've got to feed these attacking players. They're really, really good from the midfield forward. So Uruguay is just a a real dilemma, and I just don't think they're going to get through to the round of 16. Uh, This is the way they play. Portugal, excellent. Cristiano Ronaldo claimed the goal, but he didn't hit the head. I want to say that uh, he eventually did go over to Bruno Fernandes, who got credit for that goal and scored the penalty later. That uh, that goal, the first one by Bruno Fernandes, doesn't happen without Cristiano Ronaldo doing what he does best. So Cristiano Ronaldo, just like Lionel Messi, both of them are making an impact in this World Cup. That's something a lot of people, including myself, thought may not have happened. So we'll see if that continues. But Portugal are through. Argentina is a wait and see. Some injuries piling up. Nuno Mendes had to leave this game. Remember, Danilo was out. He was replaced by Pepe in the 11. Otavio not 100%. Uh, so they're losing some key players for Portugal. And they're not a very, very deep team. We'll see how that alleviates. They really need, they can't lose Mendes and Danilo. They're not going to go far here. They want to still win the group, which they should be able to, uh, barring a complete meltdown. did want to say Friday, the final match day, rematch. From one of the greatest World Cup games of all time, 2010, Ghana-Uruguay, the Luis Suarez handball. Uh, uh, Will we see it again? Ghana have been waiting 12 years for this rematch, and what a big game it's going to be. They would love to see it against Luis Suarez. I just don't know how Luis Suarez gets in these games. He is a liability. I love Luis Suarez. He's too old. He had a chance against Portugal, and he missed it badly, but he was lagging on these counterattacks. I just don't know how you can have him in there. I know we covered a lot of ground. Again, thank you to Farajon for sponsoring our, our wonderful show here. Check out the Soccer OG World Cup Daily on podcasts where all podcasts are available. Check us out here on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. Check us out for our ongoing social media connection throughout this World Cup. We'll be back, hopefully, to talk about a USA victory tomorrow.